Alright peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will not be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of Yip Man's disappointing forms, lots of I don't care if you speak fluent Cantonese, Yip Man will not teach you Kung Fu. So let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs> Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? It's good, Sifu. Nothing I'm much, good. man. Yeah. You good? I'm really good, man. All right. Um, although I shouldn't be, to be quite honest. So, I don't know. I, I mentioned know. it a couple times on, on this podcast, maybe. Yeah. Like, I don't really drink, all right? <laughs> much, much, to the, uh, much to the disappointment of my very German right. father, right? Okay. Um, you know, uh, I... I just never developed a taste for alcohol. You know, uh -huh. people ask me why I don't drink, and it's like, I just never really developed a taste for it. So no Oktoberfests, none of that? No, although I've actually been to Oktoberfest in yeah. Munich, uh, right. like the real one. Um, but no, I'm not like, I don't really drink. Although in recent years, uh -huh. I, I started to drink beer occasionally. Now, when I say occasionally, maybe once a month, but usually once every three months. And it'll right. be a beer, one beer. All right. And it's usually after uh, an event here. No, mm -hmm. no, not even that. Not okay. even that. Uh, uh, like I just mean in general, like once every three months, I'll have yeah. a beer, right? Oh, wow. And occasionally when we have like a big event, like at the end of ITC, when uh -huh. we have a bunch of people who have uh, graduated their, their neck past their exam or whatever, then we'll go, like to, half a beer. we'll go to the German, they, well, they, they serve everything in a big ass boot. Right. And then I'll maybe drink a little right tiny bit back more. Home. Yeah, yeah, I'll drink a little tiny bit more than I normally do. And occasionally when, you know, we go to Hong Kong, we're there with some of my students and some local friends, and they usually convince me to drink a little bit more. Right. But like... The number of times I've been drunk, I could probably count on both hands. Like it's not like it, it's not like a, a sheer amount of times. Well, last night was one of those times. All right, um, <laughs> last so night you got to add. To the I got to add. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna need a third yeah. hand now to start uh, no. counting. Uh, so uh, our our friend on Instagram, Bruce Willow. Yeah, um, he goes by Bruce Willow. Okay, um, his name's actually Bruno. Right, he's a stunt guy from Portugal. Now, if you don't follow the Bruce Willow on Instagram, you need to do that you like right now. The you, Bruce Willow you need to follow Instagram. the Bruce Willow right now right. because first of all, the stuff that he does is hysterical. He's a uh, he's a close to he's like we're about the same height, but he's like a little bit broader. Uh -huh. But he can flip and do twists and high kicks and spins yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? So he'll do things that he calls like kung fu copycat where he'll take scenes from movies mm. and he will copy it, right? Usually instead of fighting people, he'll fight like a Bob dummy or something like that. Nice. But he'll do all the same kind of athletic stuff. He'll do stuff from uh, the movie uh, Dragons Forever. Right. And, and he even attempted like uh, Sammo Hung's aerial flip and then spin kick and then sweep from Eastern Condors. And you see, like, he shows how many times he goes for yeah. it, right? And it was funny because... Uh, yeah, uh, like Slooper Reel too. Yeah, Svetlana, Woo Woman. Uh -huh. She saw that, and then she we shot some reels yesterday. So probably by the time this episode comes out, those reels will already, so already be on Instagram. you already drunk shooting the reels? No, I wasn't oh, drunk oh, shooting okay. the reels. Right. But uh, it was funny because Bruce Willow was... Or Bruno was really doing that aerial flip that Samo nice. does, right? And, like, Svetlana's like... 
Oh, you know that Samo used the wire on that, right? Ah. <laughs> so he's like, he's the crazy dude who's actually, I mean, first of all, I mean, Samo really does the aerial flip, but he's probably on a wire, which allows him to soften the landing. So he really has to do the flip, but the wire just allows him to land a little more softer okay. so that he can then do the, the spin kick and then the lower kick. Whereas like our, our boy Bruno was really doing the flip. No wire. Landing full hard with his body weight and then did the kick. And, and then the spin sweep, right? And he, it took him a number of attempts. But so if you don't follow the Bruce Willow on Instagram and you're a fan of kung fu and silliness and uh, stunts and stuff like that, yeah. he's hysterical. He's, he's so good at what he does. And he happens to be in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time of this recording. And so we shot a couple reels, which should be out. We did some movement and mobility-based stuff because mm. uh, we didn't really have enough time to like do some kind of fight choreography. Some Eminem stuff. Yeah, and then last night, uh, we went to K-Town, to Koreatown, and then he's like, hey, hey, have a have a Qingtao beer. <laughs> hey, have another one. Long story short, I drank five beers, which might not be a lot for some people. Okay. All right? For me, that's like... Close to the most amount you that I've ever that like, I've ever drank what? at one time, That's right? Nothing. And I was I was off my rocker last night. Uh, um, but I am I'm you know you never like when people drink you never know what kind of drunk they turn into, right? So I'm a super lightweight. Yeah, I admit it. And but I'm a happy. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. I'm a lightweight. But if I drink, I'm uh-huh. just uh, I, I I've been told I'm just a slightly more talkative <laughs> and loving version of myself. I tell people <laughs> how amazing more. they are. You know, I'd be like Dre. <laughs> do you realize how dude you kill it on the podcast? I just need to tell you, you're the most amazing thing in the world, right? Okay. Um. So anyway, I, I was I was a little this guy I was a little worried when we were going to record this uh, podcast early that I uh, I would be suffering. But, but you're not that hungover. No, you know, I, I, I thought you were going no, to. I had I had some Pedialyte first thing in the morning, and uh, <laughs> I had coffee, and uh, no, I, I actually feel fine. All so, right. but but if if the audience notices any brain fog, uh, then you know the reason why. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, what what are we? Let's, what what you got for me today? I I, I was thinking. Uh oh, here we, we go. <laughs> he was thinking. Careful oh, now. We've been doing oh, no. a lot of consecutive AMAs. Uh huh. I don't pay you to think. Yeah, well, I don't pay, I don't pay you at all. That's, that's why I don't do it often. I don't I don't do it often, but Right. Um dude, you were just on the Fat Samurai last week. Shout out to Fat Samurai. Yeah, shout out yeah. to Fat Samurai. Although again, by the time this episode comes out, yeah. you were just on the Fat Samurai <laughs> channel yeah, 4 ago. weeks ago. Yeah. Right. And uh yeah, we're going over a recent Yip Man movie mm-hmm. that yes. is IP man. Phenomenally movie. trash. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Straight phenomenally trash. inaccurate. Yeah. I haven't oh, yeah. seen it yet. Yes. But As opposed you, to all the guys, other Yip Man movies. You guys like, I mean, tore this movie a new asshole. Yes, yes. Basically. Yes. Which was difficult because the whole movie is a huge asshole. <laughs> it was hard to tear it a new one. But um but what what what's interesting is I don't think these movies are doing Yip Man any justice as to what he actually accomplished in mm. in just in general everyday life walking down the street life mm-hmm. no one knows yip man and i think you oh being i know yip man you, yeah, i know well, him well you you're you're probably like i mean you're Doing a documentary on Yip Man. That's the plan. Yeah. Whether I can actually get it done or not is another story, that's right? A, that's another story. Um, yeah, although, although I would actually say probably Seafood David Peterson knows more about Yip Man stuff than I do, right? Why don't you just 
fill us in. Fill you guys in. Oh, sure, no problem. Give us a sneak preview of the Uh documentary Uh or just... Tell us about Yip Man. Right. The I, real Yip Man. So I can... The real life guy. So I can basically be uh, be be called a, uh, uh. A, a fraud because I'm always talking about how like, yo, bro, we don't even know what happened in the 50s. <laughs> Why are people making claims about what Dr. Long John did in the uh-huh. Okay. Now let's do an episode where I tell you exactly what the history of Yip Man is, all right? Well, um, well the, the, the thing is that... People want to know. People want to know. But again... I'm probably not the most qualified person to discuss this because, one, um, I never coexisted with uh, the late, beloved Grandmaster Yip Man, all right? I was not even a piece of protein But you in know many that have. And you've I heard do. many of the stories. And I've heard many stories. And First we've documented a lot of stuff. Yes, yes. So, and I, you know, and, and us. I've, I've taken a lot of notes. And also a lot of the yeah. notes that I got were from books that other people can get, too. So it's not like I'm privy to anything that other people... Are not. I just mm. took notes, like like the Wing Chun athletic, like the genealogy of the Wing Chun um, family. Right. That book. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of information there. You but also, showed me this book. Yeah. Actually. Also, Steve David Peterson's book uh, on uh, Wong Sun Leung actually has a really nice section on the history of Yip Man, wow. um, where uh, there were a lot of things in there which you know I haven't even heard before. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Well, obviously we're we're in a weird time period now where uh, Yip Man is becoming more fictionalized than. Um, <laughs> Then the, the fictionalized accounts of Yip Man, like the balance right now is like starting yeah. to go into the legendary Yip Man, which mm-hmm. is now everything is skewed by all these films. Right. OK. Um, which we don't quite have with Bruce Lee, but probably at some point soon we will have that as well. We right. definitely have it with Wong Fei Hong. OK. What were we going to say? You Are look there like any you're... photos uh-huh. of him with hair? Oh, so. To my knowledge, no. All right, but I would love to be proved wrong on that. All right. Wow. So from what I understand, you have to realize Grandmaster Yip Man came to Hong Kong mm-hmm. in 1949. He was essentially fleeing the communist takeover. Right. Yeah. He was a member of the Kuomintang Party, which and was this the, wasn't his first time in Hong Kong. It wasn't sure. his first time in Hong Kong. Okay. But he he essentially fled China with more or less the shirt on his back. Mm. And um, last second, because he was a member of the Kuomintang Party, which was the opposing party to the communists. And essentially, as a if you're an enemy of the communists, uh, then you are then at that time, Mm. you you didn't you didn't have long to live. So uh, that's why in 1949, when the communists took over China, there was a huge like migration of Chinese people outside out to leave China Mm -hmm. and go to either Hong Kong. Okay. Which was a British colony, so or, it wasn't under China rule. Or Macau, which was okay. a, which was a Portuguese colony at that time. Wow. Or to go to Taiwan, which was independent of China. Hmm. Um, Those so, three places. So that's why in 1949, many Kung Fu masters, masters of legitimate martial arts styles in China, actually left China and went to places like Taiwan, Macau, or Hong Kong. And that's why you can find a lot of authentic... Chinese martial art lineages in those three countries. Three countries. Whereas in China, uh, especially during the Cultural Revolution, a lot of things of the a lot of aspects of Chinese culture, the old ways, you were not allowed to do. You weren't allowed to practice Chinese martial arts openly because that was the old culture. You weren't allowed to do certain traditional things, right? In fact, during the Cultural Revolution, you had to, for example, take things like statues of Guangdong, the old traditional, you had to burn it in public to show that you are, 
you're you're 100% loyal to the communist government, right? So that's why you have to imagine how many books were lost what? during that time, how many manuscripts, artifacts, all sorts of things, and how many Kung Fu masters that didn't leave China didn't pass on their art because they didn't want to get in trouble. So there's so much died during that time, especially in the 50s and 60s, right? Damn. So, um, yeah, so we really have... You know, if they weren't already in Macau, Hong Kong, or Taiwan, then they came around 1949. So to my knowledge, all right, and again, I am super willing to be proven wrong on this. There is no photo of Grandmaster Yip Man predating 1949. As a matter of fact, the photo that we all kind of seen, the one that's on the poster mm -hmm. that we uh, that is right here across the entrance to our school, that photo, from my understanding, is, I think, the first photo that we have of Grandmaster Yip Man. So that is the youngest photo we have of Yip Man. And shortly around that time, I, I think that is the first photo. But there's another photo where he's wearing Western dress. He's wearing a tie, a suit and tie, which is the only photo of him that. wearing Western clothing. I believe it's a toss-up between those two photos, the one that's on this poster mm -hmm. and that one where he's wearing the Western dress because I think that was a photo for, like, an ID or something like that. Okay. Those two photos, from my understanding, and again, I'm super willing to be proven wrong, I believe those are the earliest photos we have of him. So they're already of him Man. when he's in his late 50s, and they're already of him when he's in Hong Kong. So uh, we don't, to my knowledge, have photos of him when he still lived in Fatsan. We don't have photos of him when he was in China. So that's why we would not have photos of him uh, with hair. I also have, have been told that that the Grandmaster Yi Ben didn't like having photos taken of him. Now, you have to yeah. remember the old generation of Chinese. Unlike they, Bruce Lee. They, yeah, <laughs> they were still kind of suspicious of things like photos, right? They were. <laughs> I believe that there was even a certain Chinese belief a very long time ago, obviously, that like if, if you took a photo of someone, you're kind of like taking their soul or something. Or, you know, there was like a lot of weird superstition when it came Fairly to, to new that technology. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh. So, um, and that's also the reason why, you know, people say, oh, Grandmaster Yip Man didn't like to be photographed performing Kung Fu. Although, oddly enough, we actually have a, a, not a fair amount, but we do have photos of him performing Kung Fu, both solo and in those photos taken by Bruce Lee with Robert Chan. And, and they're mm -hmm. like actual technical. Uh, technical sequences of Yip Man doing some Wing Chun, right? So it's not entirely true that he didn't like to do. It. I think he just did, he preferred not to. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I I don't think that there's any any photo before that time. If there was, man, I would I would love. Uh, I want to be proven wrong because I want to see that photo, yeah. right? Um, and I and I think what what people don't realize sometimes about Yip Man is Yip Man was born in 1893. All right, so he was born like. October 14th, 1893. Actually, same wild. birthday as Helio Gracie, by the way. Um, wow. Same birth date. I don't think it's the same year, although I also could be wrong on that. Uh -huh. um, although I doubt, I think, obviously, Helio Gracie was way younger than Yip Man. Um, but they had, they had the same birth date. Wow. Um, so 1893 was still Qing Dynasty China. So you have to imagine, like, Yip Man, the mm. time that he lived in, he was born in the last Chinese dynasty. And then he went Amazing. through the, the, the Republic era, the, the communist takeover, and then went to colonial Hong Kong and then lived until 72, which although, you know, 1972 is maybe not as modern as 2022, but 72 in terms of like human history. Uh -huh. In 1972, you have movies, you have TV, you have cars, yeah. you have flight. So a relatively modern era. And he was born in Qing Dynasty, China and lived 
on, into an era where there were cars and planes a and TV and movies on. and stuff like that, a right? A lot of so advancement, yeah. All of that advancement happened during his lifetime. So Yip Man was alive during an extremely rich time for not just China or Hong Kong, but the world in general. Like, mm-hmm. like he lived, like, the, the world that he was born into. nothing like to a we, lot. We can say the time we were born, obviously now we have mobile phones and we have internet and we have all this stuff, right? We're always right? talking crap about this generation too. Yeah, like, but... They got all these... Uh, but like the, the technology notwithstanding, like the internet and stuff like that, like we were born in the 70s. It's still relatively modern when you look at the scope of like True. the world history, okay. right? But the change from when we were born in the 70s to today, you can argue there's been a big cultural shift because of the internet and mobile phones and stuff like that, but... It would. It's nowhere near like Yipman being born in 1893 and dying in 72. Mm. I think the change that happened within that time, it could be argued, is more drastic than the change that's gone on in our lives, right? Okay. So um, he, uh, his, his father, his name was his father's name was Yip Oi Do, and his uh, mother's surname was Mm Soi Mm N G. That surname, right? So his mom uh-huh. was surname N G, right? Um, I have I have some notes here, partially because I'm. St- you know, I, I was I was worried about being hung over, <laughs> and two also with like dates. I didn't want to get yeah. something wrong, and then you know how people are in the comments like actually this yeah. happened in didn't happen in nineteen oh seven, happened in nineteen oh eight. It's like October yeah. fourteen. Well, actually, 13. you actually you Googled it while you uh, were watching this episode, whereas yeah, yeah. I just said it. <laughs> so um, he had an older brother, Yip Kai Kak. Right. I don't have the Chinese character, so I can't. I don't. Yeah, I cannot yeah, vouch yeah. for the exact pronunciation. All right. I, and, and he had an older sister, Yip Wan Mei. So wow. an older brother, an older sister, and then he had. A uh, younger sister, um, as well. So, hmm. uh, so I wonder if so they knew Kung Fu. I don't think so. Huh. Um, his um, his a family was heavily invested in uh, like real estate and business. Yeah. As a matter of fact, although his family was in Fatsan, Fatsan being a a pretty major town in the Guangdong province, right? It's not. Have that, you ever been to Fatsan? I've been to Fatsan, right? It's part of mainland China now, yeah. right? But in in those days, it's just part of Guangdong, and it's actually not that far from Hong Kong. Okay. If you take a train or a bus, or maybe, I think by train, maybe an hour, maybe a little bit more, something like that. Uh, it's not actually not that far, uh-huh. but you have to imagine in the time that Yip Man was born. You know, he's born into a wealthy family. They own land and they own businesses. His family in Fatsan own businesses in Hong Kong. Yeah. All right, but like back then, like now, mm. if someone owns a business in another city, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? But you own a business in another city in the 1800s, right? Okay. It's kind of major, right? And that mm. gives you an idea that he was someone who came, he came from means. So that's not the normal setup for a lot of people who learn Kung Fu in those days. Uh, apparently, the family's holdings were spread between like Fatsan, the countryside, mm-hmm. and Hong Kong, and they owned several businesses. Wow. All right. So this is, um, this is quite remarkable for that time. So he really came from money. And that was something that they kind of got right in the first Donnie Yen IP Man movie. Okay. When, when you saw his house in the first one, he lived like in a big house and it had a mm-hmm. courtyard and all that kind of stuff. That could actually be kind of accurate because until the time of like the Second World War and all of that, I think that he, he did live a relatively comfortable life. But the truth is we really don't know that much before 1949. 
Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners, if you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be a Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy over here. A link for the Kung Fu Genius Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, liking this video, and sharing it on your social media platforms. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell for notifications so you will know as soon as a new episode or a premiere is available for you to watch. For those of us who listen to us on audio, it's a huge help if you don't just rate the podcast, but also write a review wherever you listen to the Kung Fu Genius, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. I really appreciate it. And now back to me. So uh, we have like little drips and drabs of facts here and there, but really it's not it's we not do a do know lot. he was 5-0. Before then, right? Something like that. Something like so, that. So, but just to like kind of timeline it, all right. DEA. Yipman Yip was around 11 or 12 mm-hmm. when he started learning Wing Chun. Yeah. So, if we're timelining okay. that, I was it's curious about 19, that. Uh, 1904, 1905. Wow. All right. Just give you an idea when he started learning Wing Chun, right? Because we often say stuff like, oh, Yipman began at age 11, and you think above an 11 year old kid learning Wing Chun. But it's also important to think like that was 1904, 1905. Right, because you have to timeline stuff in order to give it context to make it more relevant. They'll just think, oh, Yip Man started when he was 11, and you just think of an 11-year-old boy. You have to no. think of an 11-year-old boy in 1904, okay? So that gives you a what? little bit of context. So Chan Wa Shun, all right, the Wing Chun Sifu, we become Yip Man Sifu. Chan Wa Shun was, from what I understood, the final student of Leung Chan, Leung Chan being the, at the, up to that point, uh, the, one of the most famous practitioners of the Wing Chun style. Uh, mm. Leung Chan mm. was kind of our version of Wong Fei Hong. He was a, not only a Wing Chun ass kicker, but he was also a, a scholar and he was also a doctor, right? So he would also like heal, he would beat your ass and then heal you, right? He'd heal you right And then after. probably deliver a moral message why you shouldn't pick fights with, with doctors or okay. something like that, right? Okay. Um, and so Chan Ma Shun was apparently the last student or one of the last students of Leung Chan. Now, unlike Leung Chan, Chan Ma Shun was apparently not a scholar. In fact, um, uh, he had a nickname, which was, was Wa, Wa the no, it was Wa the Bull, because he was kind of big and stocky, and he was a money changer. All right, now what a money changer is, you know, at that time they didn't have like a standard wow. currency, so you had like tails of silver, and <laughs> so like you would have like a like let's say an ounce of silver or whatever, right? But you need change, so then you would have to go to someone like like a money changer. Uh, he was called Zhao Qinwa, which literally means. Like the guy, like like Wa, Wa meaning his name. Yeah. Like the guy who gives you change. Wow. So you would go to him with like I don't know a tail of silver and be like, can you break this into four for me or something like that? Huh. And he would give you whatever units were equivalent to that tail of silver, right? So you had to go kind of like a bank, but like specifically to to change like a money exchange in Times Square. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Right, and that's what he did. But besides the fact that he was a money changer, he apparently wasn't like the most educated or refined guy on the block. Mm. But for all intents and purposes, he taught Wing Chun and. He taught Wing Chun informally on one of the Yip family properties. So interesting. Yeah, so so Yip Man's father was essentially Chan Washeng's landlord. Huh. And uh, so Chan Washeng was teaching on one of like the Yip properties. Maybe it was like a 
it could have been just they're just renting it a couple times a, a week or something okay. like that, right? And uh, so because Chan Mashan was renting a space or a property or whatever from from uh, uh, Yip's father, the young Yipman would watch. And he saw the Wing Chun training, and he became fascinated with it. Now, at that time, I mean, China was very classist, right? Like, so you have the, you have like the elites and the rich, and normally they don't do martial arts. Martial arts was something more for, let's say, the lower the classes, right? Yeah, right. to kind of keep them occupied, right? Whereas it would be expected that someone from Yip Man stock would become highly educated and and would pursue things like literature, maybe a government mm -hmm. position or something like that, and wouldn't necessarily do martial arts. Although, back in the day, uh, knowing martial arts was actually required to be, have a government position, but w that was an older time. We're talking wow. not, not in the 1900s, right? So, um, Yip Man wanted to learn Wing Chun from Chan Ma Shun, so he basically went to Chan Ma Shun and asked them to teach him. And 11-year-old boy. Yeah, and... and Supposedly, now again, this is all hearsay, right? When uh -huh. I say this, I'm like, uh, I'm, this is not a Netflix documentary where all okay. this stuff's been corroborated. All right, um, this is this is <laughs> these are these I are love Netflix yeah. documentaries. These are the basically the stories that most people say. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, there's a small degree of certainty that something like this happened. The details, I mean, obviously, we don't know. But uh, most people kind of, according to Yip Man's, because th this story also comes from Yip Man's f uh, first interview with New Martial Hero, where he did talk about some of this stuff himself, right? So mm. th th there could be something to it, right? He asked Chan Rashan to teach him, and Chan Rashan did not want to teach him because he looked at him as like he's kind of like the rich guy's son, and it's not really, um, it's not really like right for him to learn martial arts, okay. right? But also, he's also the son of the landlord that he's renting from. So put him in like in an awkward position, right? Because right. he doesn't want to like piss his yeah. kid off, piss yeah. off his father or lose his space. So he essentially, um, to dissuade the boy from joining, he said that he needed 20 ounces of silver to start learning Wing Chun from from, from Chan Wa Shun. Now, um, for context, all right, according to my notes here, 20 ounces of silver ounces. was enough to buy a house, finance a marriage, or start a modest business, okay? So he's asking him for, like, a real what? chunk of coin. It's not like it's not like saying today, like, oh, if you want to learn from me, you got to give me 300 bucks. No. This is more than that. This is much <laughs> like more than that. 30K. Yeah, this is, like, some real shit, yeah. right? Um, Yip Man came back with that amount, <laughs> Yo. And um, eleven-year-old boy coming back with thirty k. Yeah, and and Chan uh, apparently was like not Yo. too sure about it. So he asked <laughs> Yip Man's father, uh -huh. and Yip Man's father was like, "Yeah, it's okay." Yeah. And yeah. they gave him that. Right? Oh my! Goodness. So um, yeah, so that gives you um, gives you kind of an idea. So at that point, at either age eleven or twelve, Yip Man becomes the sixteenth uh, and final student of Chan Rasan. All right. Wow. Yeah. So um, the relationship between Chan Mashan and Yip Man would not actually last very long because Chan Mashan passed away only a few years later. And this is why I always kind of have to laugh a little bit at some of... There are certain lineages within the Yip Man system, mm -hmm. okay, um, that are so staunchly conservative about, like, their position to Yip Man and also saying things like, it is, it's like you have to learn from your Sifu, your Sifu teaches you by hand. And like the only way to learn proper Wing Chun is by your Sifu. And the reason why they say this is because there are people within the Wing Chun family, both directly under Yip Man and otherwise, 
who actually learn more from their sihengs, even though let's say Yipman was yeah. actually their sivu, but they learn more from their sihing than they did from their sivu. Bruce Lee being an example of that, right? right? You know, Bruce Lee's sifu, his kung fu, his paternal kung fu father or whatever, is Yipman, but he actually learned mostly from his sihing Wong Sun Leung and from some others, right? Mm-hmm. But that's totally normal. But there's some students of Yipman who maybe they had the chance to learn directly from Yipman and only from Yipman. And then they will tell you, like, well, if you didn't really learn directly from Yipman the whole time, you know, your Wing Chun must be trash, right? It's, it's, they don't say it outright, but it's, it's implied. It must be all trash. Right? And then they talk, you know, it's like the, the, it's some, so-and-so didn't really learn from Yipman. He actually learned from his Sihang or so-and-so learned from Yipman's student and then later learned a little bit from Yipman. Like, so they actually use it to attack someone's credentials if they didn't purely learn from their Sivu the whole time. Wow. And the reason why that shit blows my mind is because you're like, um, do you guys actually remember what Yipman's own history is? Mm. Because if you apply that template of the only if you learn privately and you're the closest student who learned the most from their Sivu, are you worth shit in Wing Chun? Well, then I'm sorry. You got to you got to kick Yip Man out of that that yeah. whole argument. Yeah. Because from what we understand. uh Around 1908, so Yip Man had been doing Wing Chun for two, maybe three years. Wow. Chan Wa Shun passes away. So let's give it three years to to. I think he's I, I I've heard he's 14. <laughs> so so you would have to say that like all of this secret holy training from Sifu to student is between the age of 11 to 14 or 12 to 14. So if you go by this ultra conservative model that many of Yip Man's students go for, then you would have to say. A preteen and early teenage boy learned all the most important stuff during his sifu during from his sifu during that time because all the time you spend not with your sifu is total trash mm-hmm. according to many of Yipman's ultra conservative students right and then you go you, if you apply this to Yipman you have a problem Man. because you're basically saying Yipman could never have been good at Wing Chun because the amount of time he had with his sifu was very little. All right. So uh, there are students of Yipman who were able to learn from Yipman for many more years than Yipman ever could learn from his own Sifu. Okay. Right. And and supposedly at the time of Chan Wasun's passing, um, like right before he passed, he told Mm Chong So, Mm Chong So being one of either Mm Chong So was the Dai Sihing of in Chan Wasun school, or he mm-hmm. was at least one of the most. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm going to assume he was the Dai Sihing. Okay. But maybe he wasn't. But he was. Uh, Obviously, a Sihing of Yipman because Yipman was the last student, so everyone everyone, everyone was his Sihing, right? Yeah. Um, but Mun Chung So specifically was tasked to teach Yipman by Chan Wasun because Chan Wasun knew he was dying. And he's like, you know, you teach the boy when I'm gone. Oh. So most of Yipman's Kung Fu prior to going to Hong Kong, he actually learned from his Sihing, all right? Because age 14, Yipman goes, let's say he goes to Hong Kong. Around age 18 or so, it, he could have been slightly older, again, because the timeline is very sketchy on this. Mm. He goes from Fatsan to Hong Kong to go to uh, college, all right? Or what we would call university. Um, because sometimes the term in, in the British uh, school system, sometimes college can mean something else, right? Hmm. Um, so you have, to, you have to be careful like when you're talking That's about... That's so, Mikey D. Um, it is actually. Let me um... <laughs> see. Um, I, I just wanted to chime in, but you were just like all the way there. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Very, very brief thing. College. Ah, uh, yeah. University is university. 
Sometimes when people say they go to college, they mean university, but what they might actually mean is further education, which is the ages between 16 and 18, and then 18 is university onwards. Right. That's the quick capsule review pre like the 60s, 70s when you start getting into polytechnics and universities. Right. Which are essentially the same thing. Yeah, in Hong Kong. Yeah, when you go to Hong Kong, you see all these like like Hong Kong Polytechnic University, like all these words and stuff, like which is, these are all vestiges from the British system, right? And um, also like... Elementary school is uh, basically what we call elementary school to middle school. Uh-huh. They call siuhok, which means like the little, like the young study. Yeah, and call then, it primary school in English. Yeah, middle school is zhonghok, which is like middle school. And then mm. like, um, the, well, it's not really middle school. That zhonghok is also what we call high school. Yeah, which we call secondary school. Secondary school, right? And, and they actually- call it they call it middle school. We call it high school because university in Chinese they call dai hok which is the big study. So it's like you have the little study, the middle study, and the big study. And that big study is not high school. The big study is university. The Mm -hmm. middle study is what we call high school. Okay. So that's why, like, when you go over there and you see that, you like, you have to be mindful that they're not using the same exact terms as mm. we use in our awesome American system. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so Yip Man went to St. Stephen's College in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, supposedly to study, of all things, English, all right? Now, the weird thing is I never really heard any stories about Yip Man speaking English. <laughs> he wasn't that good at learning he, English. Well I, well, I don't know, but supposedly <laughs> he had studied it. So he the assumption would shit. be he could speak some English. But yeah. the weird thing is that Yip Man was known as someone who was not super fond of the West and Westerners. Mm. And... Um, but at some point, supposedly studied English Maybe at St. Stephen's knew it College so well that he just kind of I don't know under the, under I don't the rug know. and just like when uh, people talked around him, yeah, he was like I think that's some beardy level just... speculation. Right? <laughs> um, but interesting thing, St. Stephen's College mm-hmm. was on the still is in existence, although I think the current campus the school is, that Yip Man went to. Yeah, it's you can still go there, and if you go what? to their we, if you go to their website, they're like famous alumni Yip Man, and like other obviously since then a lot of other famous people what? like TV people also went to school there, but like yeah. they're very proud like a oh, Yip Man went to our so they actually have it there on their website. But I think that the campus, the current St. Stephen's College campus, mm-hmm. is different from where it was uh, when Yip Man went there. I think they moved it, and I think partially because mm. I think it was actually damaged during the Second World War. Okay. When Yip Man obviously was already back in China, I think the first St. Stephen's College campus was damaged, and they had to move it. Oddly enough, St. Stephen's College uh, is essentially next door to what's called the American Club, which is where they shot Enter the Dragon. The uh, the final fights, you know, uh, Hans Island, basically. Yeah was actually shot on the south side <laughs> of Hong club. Kong Island on some tennis courts. It's the American Club. And there's, they, they, it's mostly all renovated and rebuilt. Mm. But there's still one rock wall from Enter the Dragon that's still there. You can go see it. But you need to be a member of that club. It's like a very hoity-toity club. But the, the Kung Fu genius knows people who are part of that club. So I can actually, I can go there if I want to. I've never been, though. Um, but uh, apparently, one rock wall that Bruce like runs across when he's chasing Han at I the remember. end. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Apparently, that rock wall. I think that rock wall I'm is still there. Thinking of the wall that he scaled when no. he was doing the Jesus oh, Christ. No. Take it that easy. night. No, no, that no. night tail. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's uh, kind of interesting, just in terms of like you know where where all that stuff comes together, right? 
So, um, but right yes, door. Yeah. So you know, talking about Yipman not being very fond of Westerners, okay? Um, because a lot of people say, well, you know, Yipman didn't want non-Chinese to learn Wing Chun. All right, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit. I'm I'm trying to keep it chronological, but as these things pop in my head, I want to say them because if I don't, I will literally forget them. Okay. Um, or I'll forget to say. Maybe I'll forget to say them later. Um, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, the the old traditional Chinese sifus didn't want to teach Westerners, right? But Yip Man was even more extreme than that. Now, you can't, of course, when you look at it through a 2022 lens, you go like, oh, that's not very progressive. It's like, dude, this was a dude born in the Qing dynasty, okay? Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to look at him through the lens of the culture he grew up he in. He and, may and have had the uh, haircut. When he was younger, for yeah. sure. He would have had the Qing dynasty cue because that was mandated by all, uh, all men had to have that hairstyle you know so um in the previous dynasties especially in the ming dynasty which is which was right before the the, the qing dynasty it was normal for chinese men to have their hair pulled back into a long braid mm -hmm. essentially the older you were the longer your braid was so your braid was considered your lifeline that's why you never uh... cut it so obviously the older you were the longer the your longer braid your was braid. and that's why sometimes they would have to like put it around their neck because it would okay. get longer as you got older right um, but the whole idea of shaving the front part of your head, yeah. that was a specific Qing, a Manchu custom. That was not ethnic Chinese. And when the Qing dynasty took over, when they took over Beijing, you mm -hmm. have to remember they were not ethnically Chinese. These were, these were essentially like Tartars or like descendants of Genghis Khan. or These, mm. these the Manchu people, Man Kok, were not ethnic Chinese. And that was the traditional hairstyle for them. Because they were now the new rulers of mighty China, they mandated that all Chinese men had to have that hairstyle. But here's the crazy thing. The Manchus also had a very specific hairstyle for women. But they did not mandate that Chinese women had to have the Manchu women hairstyle. Oh. They only did it for the men. Because huh. the point was to break the spirit of the Chinese men because it was we are your rulers now you are going to have our hairstyle and there was even a saying in Chinese yeah. that if you do not cut the front of your hair they will cut your head all right I, I believe that you mm. had to I think the law was like every three or four days you had to shave it with a razor uh -huh. and if you didn't they would literally Damn. decapitate you all right. So Damn. this so you have to realize when you see Kung Fu movies that are in the Qing dynasty, right. that was not really the hairstyle. Then that hairstyle was a symbol of oppression yeah. from the Manchus on. That's why when you look at like you watch 36 Chambers, why does everyone hate the damn Manchus? Right. They have their funny clothing and and they're making everyone for they're forcing the men to put their hair in that style right so they were very oppressed at that time like literally the movie 36 chambers is about that all right wow. so um in 1912 wow. that's when the Qing dynasty was overthrown and when the new government the new republic government came in the first thing they did was outlaw that hairstyle mm. Because that was that was the old hairstyle, and they actually had military squads go out to chop those to chop that hair off of all the people. Like they were gonna get rid of this damn hairstyle now. Wow. So that means that at 1911, 1912, that hairstyle was donezo's done. done. 
done. That's why uh, when I was on the Fat Samurai channel and we talked about uh, Yip Man the Awakening. Yeah. And it's supposed to be Yip Man in Hong Kong in the 1930s, which he was not in Hong Kong in the 1930s from what I understood. Uh-huh. His buddy had the Qing Dynasty yeah, Q. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah. I first remember, of all, yeah. if, if you're in Hong Kong, him. you certainly would not have had that hairstyle. But also they made the new government yeah. made that hairstyle illegal. Mm. It was illegal during the Qing Dynasty to not have that hairstyle. And then they later made it illegal to, to have, have that, that, hairstyle, that hairstyle, right? So he wasn't allowed to yeah. have that. But wow. that also means that Yip Man, at the time when he was growing up, he would have had that hairstyle. You, you have to imagine, like, Yip Man would have had his hair shaved in the front and would have had that braid. To what age, I'm thinking? Well, no, let, let's say he had to keep it until uh, 1912, mm. all right? So he's 19 years old. When he no longer has to have that hairstyle. So 19, 20 years old. So maybe around the time he came to Hong Kong, that was also around the time when um, that government was overthrown, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but interesting to to kind of come back to Yip Man, right? Um, You know, everyone knows that he was not fond of Westerners learning Wing Chun and foreigners and stuff. And Bruce Lee also felt the effects of that when... Um, he yeah, was in he the was states. Very open about that. Well, when Bruce was in the states and he was teaching, his first student was Jesse Glover, who was a black guy. Yeah. And later, apparently, he had even asked Yip Man if Jesse could be officially accepted into the Wing Chun family, and Yip Man was like, "No." Um, but here's the thing: it wasn't just a matter of Westerners. Yeah, I mean, if Yip Man could fast forward to the future and see a podcast, and mm. someone would explain to him what this is, and someone like we're both people who yeah. teach Wing Chun in New York, and this, like he he would uh, he'd probably be flaming he'd pissed. A he'd fit. be flaming a conuption <laughs> fit. Yes, <laughs> something that hasn't even been invented yet, right? Yeah. Um, but here, but here's the thing: Yip Man also purportedly did not even like to teach the wrong Chinese. Mm. So it wasn't just like, oh, you're like a you're like a white dude or a black dude or whatever. I'm not going to teach you. You had I'm to both. be. Yeah. You had to be a southern Chinese wow. person. Wow. If you were a northern Chinese person, supposedly Yip Man would not teach you. So oh, so you have man. to like I think that that's something that people don't understand is like for for a lot of Asians. It's like the the tribal racism and prejudice between other types of Chinese, between other types of Asians, Mm -hmm. you know, like the Japanese and the Koreans, like all that stuff going on. But like Yip Man would not even teach Northern Chinese. I think if you were North of Shanghai, I think he would give you the bird. All right. But I asked uh, the late Sifu Chan Chi Man, I said, okay, Hong Kong was a British colony. So you had a lot of Brits, you had a lot of expats living in Hong Kong, obviously, even in the 1950s, there, before Yip Man and Bruce Lee, all this stuff became famous, you had Brits in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have to imagine that there's got to be some British kid that grew up in Hong Kong, you know, his, his dad is like an official or a police or okay. in the military or whatever, that was fascinated with Chinese martial arts because he's growing up in Hong Kong. Right. And wanted to learn it. So I asked Sifu Chan Ji Man. I said, during the time you were learning, Word, you were learning from Yip Man in the 50s. Was there ever a Westerner? Because you have to imagine, like, we think it's so normal for a Westerner to want to learn Asian martial arts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think about that after Bruce Lee was big, after all this stuff was big. I'm not talking about 1970s Hong Kong, where you got all these white dudes going to Hong Kong trying right. to learn the secrets from the <laughs> masters. I'm talking about... 1950s Hong Kong before this stuff was even really famous. Mm. So I asked Siva Chan Chi Man, I said, like, was there ever a Westerner who showed up to the class wanting to learn? Yeah. And he thought about it and he said, yes. He said, one time 
there was a British kid, kid, I mean, like, so, let's imagine like a teenager. Yeah. Who came to the restaurant workers union, which is where Yip Man was teaching in the 50s, and wanted to learn Wing Chun because he was growing up in Hong Kong. He went, apparently, maybe also went to school with some other Chinese kids. And this teenager, this British teen, spoke Cantonese, pitch perfect Cantonese, like a local. Yeah. And according to what Sifu Chan Chiman told me, this Western kid went to Grandmaster Yip Man in a super respectful way. So the kid not only knew how to speak Chinese, but he also understood Chinese culture. So he would be yeah. very different from a lot of the other British kids yeah, the envelope. Who, who, who grew up in Hong Kong and just shat all over Chinese culture, oh, right? No. You he know, was... because they're, they're, because you have to imagine they were there as the, the ruling class. Like this was a this was a British kid who had a fondness for Chinese culture mm. and came to Grandmaster Yip Man very respectfully, spoke Cantonese to him, and asked to be uh, to become a student, and apparently Chen Chi Man witnessed this thing, and he said Yip Man very politely declined. All right, you have to imagine. I mean, like how crazy that is. Someone from a totally different culture comes to you, knowing all about your culture, speaks your language, and you you have this thing that's running on the hard drive mm-hmm. of how you interact with people that's so ingrained. You're like, no. But apparently wow. Yip Man was actually polite about it because he spoke Chinese. And, and, and um, so well, too. Yeah, but he otherwise had, had no, no desire, right? And, you know, and again... Can you they, imagine if he taught him? That'd be crazy. You know, there's this one lone Western student yeah. who learned from Grandmaster <laughs> Yip Man and spoke perfect Chinese, right? Barry, Barry Genovese. Yeah, that guy would be an insufferable <laughs> prick because he would be the only one, you know what I mean? Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners, are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now, you can get an all-access, one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to WCINewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out your email and password and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues, even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. Yeah, so basically, you know, uh, he, 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 lear- he learns from, you know, Tan Rasan, he learns from Mun Chung So, and then he ends up going to Hong Kong to St. Stephen's College. Now, here's where, even though now we're talking about slightly more recent history than him learning from Chan Shan, but here's where there's a little bit of controversy, okay? Mm. Because according to Yip Man, and according to many of his students, and of course, they got that information from Yip Man, or maybe they got it from the first uh, New Martial Hero interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. During the time that Yip Man was in Hong Kong to study English at St. Stephen's College, he learned Wing Chun from a secondary instructor, okay? So the story was that he learned Wing Chun from someone named Leung Bik. Leung Bik being the son of Leung Chan, with Leung Chan being Yip Man Si Gong. So mm. he's learning from his Si Gong's son who learned Wing Chun from his father. So hmm. that, that makes him like a Kung Fu uncle, whether that guy is... 
If Chan Ma-son was the last student of Leung Chan, then we will assume that Leung Bik was senior to Chan Ma-son, although I don't know, and I'm willing to be corrected on that. So some kind of Sibak, some kind of Kung Fu uncle. But unlike Chan Ma-son, supposedly Leung Bik, being the son of Leung Chan, was educated and was able to explain the theories in more detail because obviously Wing Chun is a style like there's obviously a physical component you got to train you got to hit the wall bag you got to do your cheese out you got to spar you got to put in your sweat equity if you yeah. want to be good at it right but also there are a lot of elements in there like um you know how the centerline theory is explained how it's used how this applies to fighting the deeper theories how foot like all the things that need some explanation you need someone who has the vocabulary to do that and the education to do that and if someone doesn't for example as supposedly was the case with Chan Mashan the Wing Chun that he learned from his Sifu and then presumably from his seeing Um Jung So would have been a little bit less refined because it lacked the explanation about how these things work, right? Mm. You can learn Wing Chun without learning the theory, but it would be really rough, mm. right? You could yeah. kind of learn by copying, but the moment you can explain about timing and distance and angle and being proactive and sticking and all these kind of things, and you have a vocabulary to explain these things, obviously the student should benefit from that. So supposedly Leung Bik had that. He's, he was more educated. So he was able to teach uh, Yip Man... Wing Chun in more detail, the theories, apparently complete them on the wooden dummy techniques, maybe the weapons, but it's very ambiguous hmm. because there are some people that claim that Leung Bik never existed. And for the, for the longest time, I also believed that. I thought, okay, maybe it's just a fairy tale. Maybe Yip Man is using the name Leung Bik to cover for the fact that he actually learned from someone else. Maybe he learned from someone more local. Um, but because that guy later was a competitor of Yip Man or uh, okay. a contemporary, he, Yip Man didn't want to give that guy the credit. Like, oh, when I was when I was younger, I learned Wing Chun from this guy who's also teaching in the same town as me. Wow! So then supposedly right. he created this story about Leung Bik or whatever. Now the weird thing is, it the the pendulum swings when it comes to kung fu history. The pendulum swings back and forth, right? So. For the longest time, it was like Yip Man learned from Chan Masha, and then he learned from Isin Im Jung So, and then he came to Hong Kong and he learned from Leung Bik. And Leung Bik essentially refined Yip Man's Wing Chun, taught him footwork and theory and all these extra stuff that he didn't know, right? And, and gave him like, it's kind of like going to Wing Chun finishing school. Okay. All right. The, the and big then, school. Yeah. And, and then they're like, okay, that was what Leung Bik gave. And then for a while, based on the hearsay and rumors of certain. Wing Chun historians. Oh, now Leung Bik doesn't exist. He secretly learned from the Siulam Wang Chun people. Wang meaning eternal, not Wang like praise spring. It's a, it's a style with a similar name to Wang Chun. It's Wang Chun, right? Uh, hmm. Eternal spring instead of praise spring, which is a a style that's a little bit more orthodox, maybe a little bit closer to Hong Kun. Although it, I'm not saying it's Hong Kun, just in terms of if you look at Kung Fu on a spectrum and where styles are on the spectrum, Siulam Wang Chun would be a little bit closer to a more orthodox orthodox style like Hong Kun, right? They have okay. a lot more traditional forms and things like that, right? But they also have wooden dummy and things like that. And then so th there was like a time where people were saying, no, actually, Yip Man learned from these guys, all right? But the truth is just actually, besides people saying that now, hmm. um, there's no history at that time, no contemporaneous accounts of Yip Man learning from these guys, and like as if he's going to start learning a martial art in his late fifties when he's <laughs> trying to establish himself as a martial arts instructor, that kind of flies in the face of how most Chinese sifus, especially when they're older, would behave. 
uh, Yip Man, by the time he started teaching Wing Chun in Hong Kong, was in his late 50s. Okay. So a guy who was established in his martial art, and he's starting to establish his own school. Now he's going to, what, go twice a week and train with these dudes to pick up some stuff to teach his own guys? Right? It, 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 it doesn't really make any sense, but it's okay. it's something that people were trying to peddle like oh well they were just exchanging it wasn't formal teaching but actually yes it kind of was like they want to have their cake and eat it too right um although it, it doesn't really seem to make sense because although siolam wang chun is a fantastic style and I, I i find it really interesting it's not for me but i find it really interesting and fascinating mm -hmm. there was a there was a beef between the siolam wang chun people and the yipman wang chun people very early on in the history of the development of Yip Man's Wing Chun style. And, wow. it, and it concerns Lok Yu, the second student, some say first, because there's some controversy as to whether Leung Seung was really the first student of Yip Man or whether he just overtook Lok Yu's position because he talked more and Lok Yu uh. wasn't someone who defended himself. So he just kind of let his, he just kind of let Leung Seung take that mantle or whatever. Right? All right. But apparently Lok Yu punched someone very prominent in the Siu Lam Wing Chun family. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, any savvy people on the internet can find a video of Wong Kyu talking about it. Uh, I don't need to say it. Hmm. Um, punched someone very prominent in the Siu Lam Wing Chun family in the mouth for talking shit about our Wing Chun style or Leung Chan or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. right? So, So then to think that, like, okay... One of Yip Man's earliest students punched one of those dudes in the mouth very early on. Um, and now Yip Man is now going to go learn from that guy. Um, it, it just, right. there, there are too many holes in that story for, <laughs> for it to make any sense, right? Um, so the pendulum was like, okay, Leung Bik was the guy that taught Yip Man all this secret stuff, or not secret stuff, let's say refinement. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, no, actually, Leung Bik was a fairy tale character. Uh, it was really the Siu Lam Wing Chun people. And now it seems that the pendulum is swinging back. So our good friend Jim Rosalando, mm -hmm. who's in the Leung Chan lineage through the Pinsan Wing Chun, actually submitted to be some real interesting evidence that Leung Bik actually, in fact, did exist, exist right? Wow. Now, mind you, there's a photo, supposedly, of Leung Bik out there, but you have to be very... Um, distrustful of photos that come out of mainland China because now like now <laughs> oh, that no. Kung Fu like certain like Wing Chun is popular mm -hmm. oh they found photos of Leung Jan oh they found photos of Leung Bik all right mm. um, no no I, I, I think all of that stuff is bullshit all of it is bullshit okay. um, you, you, you cannot trust it in, in other words it could be true but the burden of proof is on them mm. it's not me to say it's I, I have reason to believe those photos of Leung Bik are in fact fake Okay. Um, but uh, maybe we'll have Jim. Figure them four stripe Adidas. Figure them four stripe Adidas. So maybe um, we'll have Jim Rosalando on and he can discuss that. Now, so supposedly this time when Yip Man was in at St. Stephen's College, he's learning English, he meets Leung Bik, he gets his Wing Chun refined. Now, another theory about um, why Yip Man was. In certain, in certain respects, he was very traditional, like we talked about who he would teach and who he wouldn't teach. But in other ways, it actually seemed that he was quite scientific in like he believed in a scientific process like his early students he wanted them to go out and test their Wing Chun against other styles yeah which is a very western very pragmatic like way of looking at things right yeah um and and <laughs> go you know to that bar up the bar. yeah go to that bar like i make all my students do that we do the van damme at a kickboxer thing i get you guys drunk <laughs> yeah and then i insult someone there i yeah. say that you insulted them uh -huh. and then you got to fight right right um, so th th there's some there's some stories that or, or I should say there's some speculation that 
the reason why Yip Man maybe had a slightly more pragmatic approach to martial arts because mm-hmm. uh, is not just because Wing Chun is that way, but apparently because they believe at the time he was at St. Stephen's College. St. Stephen's College wasn't just a school in Hong Kong that taught English. It was a Western-style school. So Yip Man actually went to a... Mm college that actually offered western style education which is different from chinese style so that's why some people believe that um well whether or not yip man actually learned english at saint stephen's college maybe the biggest benefit was that he learned he, he had western style education for a period in his lifetime which maybe allowed him to be a little bit more pragmatic in the way that he did certain things in the way that he taught Wing Chun. So okay. that may actually have an influence there. But again, that's, like most things, kind of uh, speculation. That's fire. Yeah. Interesting stuff, right? Um, now, there's a story during this time. Now, apparently, Yip Man, when he was going to St. Stephen's College, he's younger. So we're not what? talking, you know, we're not thinking like a very 21. refined, older Sifu, 19, right? 20, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about like a younger kid who ha- is kind of scrappy and has some fighting skills, right? Yeah. And maybe the fact that he grew up like um, with some means, this part of him wants to rebel a little bit. Was he always short? Uh <laughs> You mean like was he at one point was he six foot four and then he became five foot two? Uh, no, uh, I have a tendency to believe he was always five foot two. Okay. Um, so apparently, uh, you know, at that time the um, you had a lot of um, Indians and and Pakistanis in Hong Kong, and there was a uh, Pakistani police officer, right? Okay. Uh, in Hong Kong, and the story was like Yip Man and a friend came across a Pakistani police officer. Uh, beating a Chinese woman uh, in the street, okay? This happened while he was in college? Yeah, so we're okay. talking like an early 20s so Yip he Man, did right? visit Hong Kong. No, 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 that's when he was going to school. The school was in Hong Kong. Have Got you it. literally okay, listened okay, to anything yes, I yes, said? No, yeah, Jesus I did, I did. Christ. My bad, my bad. He did All right, Mikey, school. you're taking his post next ah, time. All right? Don't worry, I can do it right now. Do you listen? Yeah. Do you listen? So um, apparently, but this was very early on when Yip Man was there. So mm-hmm. the story was that he was actually 18 at this time. Um, and it was just like a year before the Qing dynasty was overthrown, right? And there was like a a strong feeling of Chinese nationalism going on during this time, right? Not that I think if there wasn't, people wouldn't be outraged by a Pakistani police officer beating up a Chinese woman. But I think culturally in the zeitgeist at that time, there was like a very strong kind of mm. Chinese kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, the story was that Yip Man went up to the, uh, the the Pakistani police officer and bloodied his face. All right, like like, yeah. I mean, there's nothing. Um, there's not, I mean, there's not a whole lot of detail, like blow by blow or whatever. Um, but they he confronted the officer and then bloodied that dude's face. Um, and then they, uh, and then right after that, of course, they retreated. And um, and then then the story was that Yip Man's friend related this story to a uh to his family and an uncle was there and that uncle was Leung Bik. So that's kind of the story. Like Yip mm. Man beats up this Pakistani guy or police whatever, right? Police officer. Yeah, police officer. They run away. <laughs> and then his buddies like telling his family, like, oh man, like Yip like yeah. you know, Yip Yip man did this and blah yeah. blah blah blah. And then he had an uncle there and that uncle was Leung Bik from Fatsan. Uh-huh. And he heard that and he was like, oh Yip Man is from Fatsan? And Yip Man did what to this guy? And then so the story was that maybe then Leung Bik suspected that Yip Man maybe was from the Wing Chun family. Mm. 
And then Yip, then Leung Bik wanted to meet Yip Man, the young Yip Man. And then that's how they came into contact with each other, right? And he just wanted to teach him. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. um, so you have to imagine the, Wing Chun is not like a popular style, right? There are other styles that are way more famous. Wing Chun is relatively unknown, right? So Yip Man visited this uncle of his friend, and he was surprised that he, that this uncle knew anything about Wing Chun, right? Um, and then in very typical fashion, and it's so funny when you read the story because Chinese sifus do this to this day. He meets Leung Bik, and what's the first thing Leung Bik asks him to do? Show me your forms, all right? <laughs> and and I, I've realized that this is a... Okay, it's partially Chinese culture, right? Uh -huh. Although Wing Chun is a style that... We focus on practical application, okay? When I stick hands with you, I should be able to defend myself. I should be able to stick. If you fire a punch at me, I should be able to defend the punches or kicks or whatever. Mm -hmm. Wing Chun is not a style where we go, oh, that guy is good because that person knows 30 Wing Chun forms. Okay. All right? Uh, we say that person is good because they're skillful, because they can apply their Wing Chun, right? Um, so even though Wing Chun is that style where we focus more on okay, what can you actually do? Like the talking with the hands, like Wong Sonung's nickname, right? right. Like how, how well are you, how good are you at talking with your hands? Um, but still, Vocal. it's still a traditional Chinese martial art. So Wing Chun Sifu's, even to this day, because I have been victim to this as well, <laughs> they, um, they're not willing like right away to stick hands with you or to watch you do something because that might be giving you too much credit. And what some Chinese sifus want to do is they want to kick you down nine pegs. So, uh, like, before before you do anything, they want to kick you down nine pegs to kind of put you down a little bit, subjugate you a little bit. Mm -hmm. So then, then you're more willing to listen to what they have to say, especially if you're not Chinese, because you're automatically going to be more impressed by how Chinese they are, right? So um, they will often do stuff like, okay, show me your forms, Right. You know, it's not like, okay, like, uh, okay, this person's going to throw some punches at you. What can you do? Or stick some hands with this guy. It's always like, show me your siwanim tao, the most fundamental form. <laughs> and then they're going to sit there and look, I can take my most senior students mm -hmm. who've been with me for many, many years and have arguably heard every single correction I'm ever going to give about the siwanim tao form. And I could still take my most senior student and say, show me your siwanim tao and still go, eh, this yeah. is a little bit off. It, you need to turn them like up uh, your shoulders a little out of like this like you can nitpick all this stuff and I can do that with people who've arguably learned everything I'm ever going to teach them oh, wow. because there's always something especially when it comes to forms that you can nitpick angle of the hand posture breathing how you did this the tempo of this part uh, there's always and Chinese sifus are well aware of this fact Hmm. So they can look at you, and even if you had a really rock-solid Siunam Tao form, they're going to nitpick it because this is this is step one to them kicking you down a few notches. Oh, all right? And they look at your Siunam Tao form. Oh, no, its stance is no good. And then they're going to give you some arbitrary correction as well. Like, oh, you stand this way. You should stand this way. Up, oh, head position, hand position. This, And look, a lot of those things may be legitimate criticisms. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the person on the whole, maybe you would say, like, actually, their form is quite good, but you can always nitpick. But they're going to nitpick everything in such a way to present it to you as you don't know shit. All right. Oh. So and you have to realize that, oh. OK, if we just look at martial arts on the whole, not like Wing Chun specific or whatever, ultimately, it's about what does it do for you and what can you do with it? But Chinese sifus and obviously a lot of Western sifus have now followed this mold as well, can 
basically determine, at least not actually determine, but make you feel that they can totally determine everything about you based on, and let's be honest, when we're doing forms, mm -hmm. based on how well you pantomime hand movements in the air. All right. Mm. How much time you've decided to dedicate to the pantomiming of movements in the air. They're going to like drop this mic and tell you like you don't know shit. And that might be true. Might also not be true. They might uh. just be being unfair. Mm. And then maybe they look at your chunky. Oh, no, you cannot turn this way. You did. And they do this clearly between lineages because every lineage is different. So the, the fact that you do it differently than that lineage, they're automatically going to rip you apart. But here's the thing. You, they do it even within the same lineage. Mm. They do it even within the same lineage. When I when I learned from uh, Sifu Leontim, which was after I left the Leung Ting organization, yeah. right? I learned the wooden dummy techniques from Sifu Leung Ting, among other things, right? Of course, he wants to look at my wooden dummy techniques, right? And so he's like, show me your wooden dummy techniques. Now, Sifu Leontim learned the wooden dummy from Leung Ting. I learned the wooden <laughs> dummy from Leung Ting. Okay. I know Leung Ting's form, all yeah. right? Before he even asked me to show me the wooden dummy, he goes, show me your wooden dummy form. I knew going in, because at that point I had a lot of experience in Hong Kong, he was going to tell me everything I was doing was wrong. Right. I could have literally performed the form exactly the way Leung Tang did it mm. in front of him. The guy, the form the same way that he learned from his own Sifu. And he would say, no, no, it's not like that. All right. Now, on top of that, Sifu Leung and Tim has also modified his form. So also he took the form that he learned from Leung Ting and he changed up some things. He changed some palms. He changed some of the kicks. Oh, right. And also he did a little bit of training with Sifu Chan Chi Man. So I think he borrowed some ideas from Sifu Chan Chi Man. Mm. So his mm. form is different anyway. So when I performed the form, he told me I was wrong, not even on my technical execution, but because I wasn't doing his choreography, which I had not even learned yet anyway. It, you know what I mean? So like, like, right. like, for example, he did the double palm where like in the Langton one, you do like the old man hands this way here mm -hmm. in the fifth set. He does it with these straight palms, right? That's his modification. That's not like Langton told me to do this, but I did this instead. I did this because that's how I learned from Sifu Langton. Yeah. And he's like, no, it needs to be done this way here because that was his change. But it wasn't like, oh, in my version of the form, we do this palm this way. It was like, no, you're wrong. That palm is supposed to be like this and introduce choreography I haven't learned yet, which is different, right? And that is something. So, like, when I when I read back on my That's notes fine. and, like, the young Yipman meets Leung Bik, and the oh, first thing Leung Bik does is, show me your forms. Yeah. You know? I go, I've, I, I've seen this movie play out, all right? <laughs> because then you go, oh, no, the Siunam Tao, this, this is wrong, and then what you do is you've psychologically kicked that person down a bit, so the time that you even touch hands with them, they're mm. already mentally destroyed. All right. <laughs> oh no. Where, whereas if you just straight oh, up man. said, "Hey, let's do some cheese sal," right? Uh -huh. Maybe that person would be like, "Okay, we're colleagues, we're equals," and mm. then they're gonna go after you, right? But if you kick them down by showing them you cannot even pantomime your freaking hands the right way in the air, <laughs> all right? Damn. Much less even earn the right to touch hands with me, all right? This is a trick. And this is exactly what Leung Bik did to Yip Man. Show me your forms. And after Man. he did all his forms, or however many forms, maybe uh -huh. just the first form, whatever. I, there was a story like he said, oh, ha did you learn the Chum Q yet? And that like pissed off Yip Man. Like, of course I learned the Chum Q, right? <laughs> and, and, and then he shows him his forms, and then he gave him a very, um, what, what, what was the note here? Um, a disappointing review of his forms.
Mm. All right. And it's so funny because I'm like, I, I totally know what that's like. All right. I totally know what that's like. Um, and then um, then after that, Yip Man wanted to do some cheese out with the old man. And then, the, the you know, Leung Bik agreed and Leung Bik handily, you know, controlled the young Yip Man or whatever. Right. And um, Yip Man was really pissed off and mm. left. Now, there's stories that one, he felt insulted by Leung Bik. You know, like the way Leung Bik yeah. treated him, which I totally understand because he kind of was. Um, two, uh, that um, he felt shame because Yip Man at this time, think about it, he beat up at 18, he beat up a Pakistani cop. Mm-hmm. So when he's, and he's no doubt had some other fights and stuff, supposedly also fought with some British kids or whatever. So he was, he like knows he can fight. And then here mm-hmm. he is kind of being made a clown by this older man. So there's one story that he was like, uh, pissed off of how Lernbik treated him and left. Mm-hmm. There's another story that he was disappointed in his own skills. Mm. And then there's a third story which is different. Like it wasn't that he was asked to to show his forms. He was asked to actually attack Lernbik. All right. So this is like a totally different version of the story, right? Which is again why yeah. you cannot rely on any of this stuff. Who the hell knows if any of this stuff is true? And then, you know, Yip Man attacks Leung Bik and Leung Bik easily thwarts him. And then, of course, which is more likely than not, this is like just a made up uh, kind of revisionist history stuff. The, the, this uh, altercation happened next to a dock and Yip Man charges Leung Bik and Leung Bik turns <laughs> and, he, and he goes into the water, you know, which is just like, I don't believe <laughs> any of lake. that shit. Yeah, into, the, yeah, into, <laughs> oh, into no. Victoria Harbor or something oh, like man. that, right? Um, and then you just go like, yeah, I think that's why he was pissed. Uh, yeah, I think someone spit shined that story <laughs> a couple ways from shoes, Sunday, yeah. right? Okay. Um, so, so, and and then and on that version of the story where like he basically attacks, uh, he asks Yip Man to attack him, and then he so easily handles him. Apparently, in that version of the story, uh, Yip Man didn't know that Leung Bik was a Wing Chun guy. So again, and this is the problem when people like we want to tell you exactly what these stories are, right? That version of like how Leung Bik and Yip Man met, if Leung Bik even existed to begin with. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're already presupposing he exists. One, he knows he's a Wing Chun guy. He has to see his forms. He has a disappointing review. Then he does Chi Sao and he gets he gets his ass handed to him, right? He leaves disappointed in his skills because he thought he was much better. Mm-hmm. Second version of the story, he's insulted. He trains with Leung Bik, but he Leung Bik doesn't really tell him that he's a Wing Chun guy or something like that. Or he attacks him or whatever, and then he falls into the water. And then he leaves dejected because he got beaten by a non-Wing Chun guy because he didn't know that Leung Bik was a Wing Chun guy, right? So Soaking wet. Yeah. So you have the already you have these clashing versions of the story, hmm. right? And um, then when he leaves, in the version of the story where he doesn't know that Leung Bik is a Wing Chun guy, his friend is like, no, 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 no. Uh, my uncle, the one who just beat you up or handed you your ass, he's a Wing Chun guy. As a matter of fact, he is the son of Leung Jan, your Si Gong or something like that. And then Yip Man is like, like in a Kung Fu movie, uh, right? Through, like when, when yeah. the guy finally decided to teach um, uh, Sante in 36 Chambers, like, oh, you know, his yeah. eyes light up and like, oh, now he's going to go learn, right? And then... He's able to learn. Now he knows that he's a Wing Chun guy, and then he starts learning from from Leung Bik, right? <laughs> um, and then there's another version, like, you know, obviously the one where uh, he feels humiliated or embarrassed. He's too humiliated to return. And another version where, you know, he's super excited to return. Um, so the general vibe is that 
He was convinced only when his friend revealed that his uncle was from Fatsan, a native named Leung Bik, and he was the son of Leung Chan. So when mm. he told Yip Man this information, right? So again, what did Yip Man know at the time that he met this guy, right? And then realizing this opportunity in front of him, Yip Man is like, okay, well, I guess I need to learn from this guy, right? Because his own Sifu passed away so so uh, so young, right? So um, and then he petitioned Leung Bik to essentially complete his training. Now, again. Who knows if this stuff is you? This is stuff that's in my notes. These are things that yeah. I've collected, whether it's from David Peterson's book or Genealogy of the Wing Chun Family or elsewhere. So they're out there. They're out there, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Leung Bik had fallen on hard times and accepted Yip Man's invitation to be his teacher. So apparently Leung Bik wasn't doing very well. And right. maybe Yip Man had some money because his family was, was able to pay him, right? Um, and so then he, he starts learning from Leung Bik. The exact timeline... In terms of like, how long did he learn from him? What did he learn from ah, him? Is it when he learned his weapons and stuff like that? Um, is is not entirely clear, but supposedly, after one year of training, all right, Leung Bik passes away. Okay, so again, we're not talking what? like we're not talking about like during the entire let's say four years that Yip Man was going to college, he was learning from Leung Bik. We're talking like one year. Okay, but devastating. Again, just devastating, right? All right. <laughs> still, in, but still, if you take this story as true, and you start to go like, Yip Man Sivu died after three years, <laughs> then he learned from a Sihing for a little bit, and then he got some spit shine from uh, a Kung Fu uncle for one year. All right. Damn. And then uh, supposedly because there were no other students of Leung Bik and no children of Leung Bik, the young Yip Man was the one who officiated his funeral. Now, was that actually true or not? It's almost impossible to verify that stuff, right? But that is 1912. Wow. All right. And then so shortly after that time, uh, Yip Man returns to China. All right. So after his time going to school in Hong Kong, he returns to China. The story was because now his Wing Chun was very different. What he learned from Leung Bik was notably different from what he did with his first Si Heng Chung So. And Yip Man didn't want to step on his Si Heng's toes because his Si Heng was teaching Wing Chun. And now you have to imagine, he was teaching, he, he learned his Si Heng's Wing Chun. He goes to Hong Kong. He gets all these upgrades. Mm. He comes back to Fatsan. If Yip Man starts teaching what he learned from Leung Bik in Chinese culture, it would almost be like now he's one-upping his Si Heng because he learned all this stuff that his Si Heng didn't. So supposedly... Mm. Although Yip Man did not really teach in China because he was from a wealthy family. He didn't need to teach for money. He only taught some students somewhat casually a little bit later on. People like Guok Fu and Leung Kai and those guys. Mm -hmm. But not very seriously. So supposedly the story was he more or less just taught what he learned from his first Si Heng and did not really teach too much of what he learned from Uh, Leung Bik. Okay. And supposedly it's the reason why if you look at Yip Man's students from... Fatsan, because he only taught a hand, like a couple people, and they're all passed away now. Um, when you look at their wooden dummy techniques, they didn't even like insert their leg into the dummy leg, the, mm. what we call uh, the, the inserting the leg stance technique, which is like where you jam your opponent's stance or stick to their leg, mm-hmm. like our plum flower step, right? Yeah. When you look at Yipman's Fatsan students, when they do the wooden dummy technique, like let's say, for example, they're doing the, the popai, the double palms. Mm-hmm. They do all of those without inserting their leg behind the dummy leg. So they're basically just doing it with turn frontally and with turns. So they're doing it literally without footwork. Oh. And the story, the hearsay is that is more or less what Yip Man learned from his first seeing. And that's why he taught 
uh, that in Fatsan. But when he came to Hong Kong, hmm. he didn't have this problem like making his seeing look bad or, or being in competition with him. And then he could finally teach all the stuff that he had learned from Leung Bik or whatever, right? Wow. So, um, wow, an hour and 15 minutes in, and, and we... We haven't um, even scratched the surface. We haven't even scratched the surface on Yip Man, right? <laughs> yeah. We haven't even gotten into most of what the Yip Man movies are about. What's up because, with that? And it's amazing. I talk about the, the time before Yip Man came to Hong Kong in 1949. We know almost nothing about. Yet somehow I still managed to talk for an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> about the, the sketchiest part of Ooh. what we know about Yip Man, right? Huh. So I also need to say again, just in terms of the historical veracity, all right? These are notes that I took from other people's books. How I represented them may not have been entirely accurate, and the facts themselves may also not be that accurate. Mm -hmm. The truth is, all I talked about today is what we kind of have heard. Oh. But I cannot say without any, well, I cannot say with any absolute, like, uh, uh, well, certainly not authority, but even, even just mm, any kind of security mm -hmm. that that this really represents accurately what happened. Because the truth is, we don't know. And I wish that Wing Chun historians, the people who call themselves historians, would be a little bit more open and honest about them not really knowing either. Um, because people, someone could have done this exact podcast, said all the things I just told you, but said it as if it was exactly true. Actual factual. And the things that we we just don't know. There, there, huh. There's no, with no certainty can we say any of these things, right? Uh. And that's all. I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, hit that bell for notifications, and any questions you have for me to answer on a future episode, put those in the comments below. Or if you have ideas about things you want me to talk about, let us know below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me seafood, but to you I'm Sea Kung, and I produce masters. You surpassed us, your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate, and your blood gets spilled. Alex Richter, always the victor. Before he came to Hong Kong, we actually. What's going on? Uh, we. we yeah, someone decided to bang on pipes for no reason, right? Um, they haven't fixed anything in this building in 100 years. And now we're recording a podcast. Someone's like, I'm going to bang some pipes. Let me, let me fix that thing yeah. that I broke the other day. Going use to a, use a hammer to bang on some pipes. Yeah. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, hit that bell for notification. Nah! Hit that be bell for Novocaine. Novocaine. I feel, I feel like my head has been shot with Novocaine. All right. It um, begins. All right. It begins. No, it doesn't begin. Yes. This all is right. our time. This is, this is our Stop. time. Yes. Stop. Stop. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you guys are definitely helping. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu. You, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Don't start. Don't start. Don't even start. Yes. What's this is look the other way. <laughs> Just look the other way. I don't want to look at your face. I'm hot right Dre, here. Dre. I'm a high Dre, right behind the screen. Dre, the look screen the other is way. as big no, no. as my head. No, you got a bigger head than you think. Dre, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to face the curtain. Shane Diesel, no, face the curtain. <laughs> face Diesel. the curtain. I don't want to look at your face. That. Like right. this? Okay. Yeah, we had a YouTube commenter say that Dre is Shane Diesel, which apparently is, no one knows is, who he is, though. A lot of people. Is it, <laughs> I had to Google him. He's apparently an adult film star. Yes. Feel right? free to Google. You mean yeah. he's an Shane adult? Diesel. He's not a child, or he's not a teenager. Unlike star. you. 
Turn around. <laughs> I got to get through this. I already messed up twice. This is not looking good. Face the curtain. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you and just <laughs> you. Seriously, <laughs> stop, stop. Didn't do anything. Okay, I need you to look the other way. I need you to look. The, I need you to look the other way. No, no, Dre, do not play with the curtain. All right. We feel like we're. I'm at not playing now. with the curtain. Don't, just Dre, the show is Dre, closed, Dre, so no one peeks Dre, in. hands on your lap. Look at the curtain. Look away. All right. Do not move. Don't touch anything. Don't do anything. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to... I see you moving. You're moving. You were bo both of you out. I, out. Have to, I have to do my, my intro. Yeah, you can do it after I finish mine. All right. Out. You're not even in here, but I can feel it. I can feel the vibes. Man, once you get the giggles, it's hard to get it out, right? Quiet. Jesus Christ. I don't know if I can do this. Oh, my God. Let me get this done. Get out of here. Out of here. Out of here. As always, don't forget to like this video. Subscribe. Sub, 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 sub. Golden, golden moments in history. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, I maybe never said this before, but I f***ing hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, let's go. All right. Just a Mikey. Oh, wow. Finally in front of him. It's amazing. Ken to each a broken dog new tricks. I'm going to murder you guys with ASMR. <laughs> oh, no. Dre. Dre Dre, the best intro to this episode. Stop. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the G what? 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 I literally just turned my head this way. All right, peeps. On today's... Oh, oh these are cool. Ooh. I forgot my shades are here. <laughs> all right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all. Except not. He won't be answering. He won't genius be will answering. not be answering all sorts. All right. Serenity now. The genius will be not answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. No. The genius will be not. It's not good English. The genius will not be answering. Ah, uh, will be not. All right, peoples. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will not be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems. <laughs> Lots of... <laughs> Why did I just do that? <laughs> yeah. Alright peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will not be answering all types of shit from you guys. Lots of Yip Man's dysfunctional forms. <laughs> dysfunctional forms. Mostly terrible. Ha! <laughs> right. Oh, 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 oh,